Are you someone that likes to play with their rod? Got sore arms and wrists from always playing and fighting with your rod? Spent countless hours out on a boat just holding on to your rod? Well, give those arms and wrists a break. Get rid of the carpal tunnel syndrome from playing with your rod and check out Real Crazy Fabrication. Custom designed and painted rod holders for all your fishing needs. Small town, Canadian made, built with pride and experience, Real Crazy Fabrications can fix you and your rod up with whatever size, design and color rod holder you're in the market for. You can check them out at realcrazyfabrication.com or check out their social media page at real.crazy.fabrication. Once again, realcrazyfabrication.com, that's R-E-E-L, fabrication.com, or anywhere on their social media page at real.crazy.fabrication. Real Crazy Fabrication. Stop playing with your rod. Proud supporters of the Cox Talks Podcast. Talks Nation, what the fuck is up, my players? I almost said something else there, but hey, this is a politically correct show. Great to be back. Great to be with you here on the Cox Talks podcast. Hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas, a happy new year, all that bullshit. If you've listened to this podcast at any point in the past, you would know I despise Christmas and I might hate New Year's even more. I don't want to get into it. I refuse to talk about it as Christmas is now in the rearview mirror. Thank fucking God. As always, questions, comments, concerns, dilemmas, get at me on Instagram at the Cox Talks Podcast, or uh, you can find me on my personal accounts at Trevor Dofsky. Um, Also, you can reach out to me on Facebook. And if you're lucky enough to have my personal phone number, holla at me there, if you will. Anyways, today's episode, listen, I'm not going to spend too much time here, but uh, got a great guest for you. Will Acton, former Edmonton Oiler, former Toronto Marley, former Uxbridge Bruin, former Stowell Spirit, former Lake Superior State fucking anchors or whatever the fuck they, Lakers, the Lakers, they were called the Lakers, former Lake Superior State Laker. Um, great. It was a great interview. It was a lot of fun catching up with Will. Um, I played, uh, I was fortunate enough to play one year with Will, but we've always stayed in touch and we've always remained pretty good buddies. So it was nice to finally get a chance to sit down and just pick his great brain on some things for sure. If you are a, uh, young hockey player that listens to this podcast that thinks, you know, maybe you want to take a run at a professional career or a scholarship or some time in the OHL, I highly suggest you listen to this episode. And I don't mean just listen to it. I mean, really listen to it. Listen to what he's saying. Listen to his experiences as a player. And really dive into what he's saying and really try and incorporate it into his game. Um, And parents, 
parents of young hockey players aspiring to be elite young hockey players further within their growth, listen to what Will is saying. Parents, listen to what Will is saying. I'm going to call a spade a spade here. As a guy that is now coaching junior hockey and is taking on these players as they come into our program at 17, 16 sometimes, 16, 17, 18 years old, there's a lot of kids out there that just don't fucking get it. And it all comes down to, in my opinion, work ethic is always number one. Entitlement is number two. But being a good teammate is always top of the list as well. I get a lot of young hockey players that come into our program and they don't know how to be a professional. And I don't care. You can say, oh, this is just fucking junior C hockey. There's still a professional atmosphere that goes to it. There are still expectations. People are still paying to watch you play hockey. You have a, you have a um, responsibility to your program, to your logo, and do, to those fans that pay money to come and see you to put on a good performance for them. Parents, I really want you to listen to this too. It was very interesting to hear Will talk. We didn't talk very much about the skill development he needed to get to where he got to in his career. But what we did talk about is the things he learned in the dressing room, the things he learned off the ice, the things he learned by using his eyes and his ears and not his mouth. It was a very refreshing interview for myself, um, knowing that hockey players like this, you know, still exist. And just that, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm sure Will had a lot of skill development on his way to the big time. But if you ask me what I picked up from listening to Will is most of his learning was done simply, like I said, by being a good teammate, listening and watching. So without further ado, uh, again, I can't stress this enough. Parents and players, listen to what Will says in this interview, especially when we get into the back, the back part of the interview and we talk about what Will is doing now for a career within the National Hockey League. As a scout, you really need to dive in and you really need to listen to that. I, I suggest you listen to this podcast two or three times if you're a young hockey player or a young hockey parent. Anyways, without further ado, um, my good buddy, Will Acton. Okay, on the Cox Talks podcast, a fellow that uh, I've been trying to get a hold of for a long time. We've been chatting a lot about getting him on the podcast, but we've never been able to sit down and make it work. The one, the only, Willie Acton from Stouffville, Ontario, former Uxbridge Bruin, former teammate of mine. Um, I'd go down your list of teams, but we've only got an hour here, so I won't introduce all them. Willie, Will Welcome to the Cox Talks podcast. Coxie, thanks for having me, man. Like you said, it's been, uh, we've been trying to set this up for quite a while, so I'm glad we found the time to, uh, you know, actually make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've always, we've always kind of stayed in touch. We've always been able to stay in touch, uh, if not through one another, through mutual friends and stuff. And I thought, mm -hmm. you know what, you've got a pretty good story to tell, so we better get you on the podcast. <laughs> Oh, I appreciate you finding it. It's, it's, uh, I'm glad you think it's interesting. So hopefully at the end of this hour, you don't think it's too dull, but, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. 
Yeah, you're very welcome. So I kind of alluded to it, but one thing I always do is I always make my guests um, tell the listeners exactly how we know each other. So you go ahead and and let them know how we know each other. Well, I think we got introduced when I was uh, 16 years old. I was living in Stouffville and trying to find out what the next path we're going to be in my hockey career. And um, I got came out to an Uxbridge Bruins practice and Lo and behold, I'm pretty sure you introduced yourself to a slash to the back of my leg in, uh, in a scrimmage or something. I remember going back <laughs> to the bench thinking, who is that guy? And uh, Sure enough, that was old TC, Trevor Cox. So, <laughs> I, uh, like you said, we kept in touch over the years, and I can't tell you how ecstatic I get when the little TC message bubble shows up on my phone. It's, oh, what's, what's, where's, this, where's this text taking me? Old Coxie, what's he up to? So, <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we go way back, like you said, um, um something about like the Bruins there with those guys you know you guys with the mud buckers and stuff there's a there's a certain bond there with you know with that group of people and um yeah we've just kind of always kept in touch you know loosely throughout the years and um you saying you got a podcast going I remember you texting me saying a long time ago saying hey I'm getting a podcast going I just thought I'm sure everyone listening you know what a natural it would be um with all the people (laughs) that I know you'd be uh one of the guys to uh to host it I've been listening to it you've been doing it great and like I said I'm happy uh uh, honored to, to come on and be a guest. So, well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. And back to the, the slash, and I'm sure, you know, like being a grizzled vet, you got to let the young kids know who the big dog is, right? You got to well, let I, them know. I learned pretty quickly. I wasn't the only one getting a slash. So I didn't do, it, it was personal <laughs> at first, but then once I watched, I was like, yeah, he does that there, you know, it's pretty common. So pretty yeah. common throughout that league too. So uh, I got you, used oh, yeah. it pretty quick. Absolutely. So let's like, um, like you, you kind of alluded to it there. Like, I don't know about you, but Anybody, I mean, I only ever played junior hockey for the Uxbridge Bruins. Anybody that that I played with in my almost seven years there, I generally still get overly excited to see them, to talk to them, especially if it's a guy you haven't seen in, in ages or talked to in ages. Yeah. I still yeah. generally get excited and pumped up to talk to them. And as a coach now, that's something I try to tell these kids that I'm coaching, like, like, Enjoy this while it lasts, because not very long yeah. after you're done playing, you lose connections with guys. You may only talk yeah. to them once, twice a year, if that. And, you know, yeah. like uh, absorb everything you're doing now and enjoy it and make the most of it while, while you're at that young age in that Bruins dressing room. It's so true. Like, uh, there's something about an old teammate, like even doing what I do now. I know we'll get into that in a bit, but you see an old teammate on, on the road and it's just a different level of comfort with somebody. It's like, you know, an old friend that you haven't seen in years and you, as soon as you see him, you pick up right where you left off with them, right? There's something about that teammate um, bond where you, you know, you go to work every day together and you, you go through adversity together as a team and individually. And there's just, uh, there's just a connection there, you know, and I'm sure, you know, you're into the coaching ranks now. I mean, I remember when we were sitting there and, you know, your brother and the coaches were, you know, telling us the exact same thing, but, you know, we didn't listen to them, right? I think no. there's something about, there's something about being, you know, youth is wasted on the young there that uh, you just can't absorb it fully, but you're absolutely right. Like, there's, there's nothing like catching up with an old teammate after a long time, you know, so especially on winning teams too. And we had a pretty good team there. Yes, we did. Year, yes, know? we did. It's unfortunate yeah. we got cut short, but you just... When you feel like you're a part of something special, um, it's, uh, you know, those guys you kind of always catch up with. So absolutely. So let's start there. I mean, you did play, you, you played a little bit of AAA growing up, but if memory serves me correctly, you came to our junior program from midget A, did you not? Yeah, actually, I'm going to jump in and correct you. I actually never played AAA hockey. Um, okay. okay. I remember, I remember being, I was like 14, 15 years old and I was playing, um, you know, my parents just had me playing in Stovall with the minor hockey growing up. I was playing with my buddies at school and 
um, I was 15 and I broke my collarbone in like January, February, and I missed this the rest half the year and heading into my 16 year old year. I remember, I mean, I, I thought growing up that maybe I didn't know if I was going to play hockey or if I was good enough to play, but I thought it, you know, just hearing my dad always talk about, you know, you can do it if you want to do it. That old, that old mantra. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> um, when I, when I was, I think when I was 15, there were 16, there were some guys that were my age that were going off to OHL camps and getting drafted in the OHL. And I was nowhere near on that level at the time. And uh, I remember just thinking like, if I, you know, if I want to make a run of this, I better take it pretty seriously. So I started training that summer and I uh, got linked, linked up with the local trainer. He was trained me throughout my whole pro, pro career and we're still friends to this day. Um, and um, yeah, and then I just, I was in a whole bunch of different um, trying out. Like I tried out for the um, both AAA teams in Markham. I uh, was trying out for the Stovall Spirit at the time when I was 16. Right. And trying yep. out with the Uxbridge Bruins and actually, uh, no, nobody really knows this, but I think after all this time, there's no harm in saying it. But um, I think that August, I probably skated like 35 times in the month because I wow. remember printing off this this calendar and, you know, this team had to try out at this time and that time and going down with my parents and they were driving me around to make sure I made all of it. And looking back, it was crazy. I was exhausted, but um, I actually got cut from all the teams. I got cut from both the um, both teams in Markham. I, got, I actually got cut by the Bruins but I was still in it with the Stovall spirit and who was like the highest team of, mm, of all mm-hmm. of them, which was kind of odd. It didn't really seem to work out. Um, but then their season was opening up on a Thursday night and um, it was the two days before on the Tuesday and they came in and they just said, sorry, we feel like you're close, but you're just not quite ready. And um, I was at the time I was six feet. And I was 135 pounds. I was like, oh yeah, I was like a rail. There was like oh, a yeah. girl skirt. And I was small, and you know, looking back there, I was pissed at the time. But they were probably right. Like I physically just wasn't ready. And then I remember at that meeting, they said, okay, well now that that's decided, where are you going to play? And I still remember saying, I was like, I don't know. I got cut from the Bruins. I got cut from the two teams in Markham. And then uh, they were like, well, can you just? continue to play local single a and that well the registration had closed from that like two days prior so they had their team and then so i didn't really have a team to play on and i was like oh, wow i, I didn't know any of this i didn't know any yeah of this. so yeah like i haven't i don't think i've told i just no one's really ever been interested but um so then i think i found out later what had happened was the people running uh the spirit at the time kind of called the Bruins, who was our affiliate, and they just said, Look, like you gotta take this kid. And they were, I think they pushed back and said, Well, we already cut him. Like, we don't want him. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Well, and I, it's not so much like that, but I like I, now I get it. You know, they had their team and they had their guys and they were set and they told yep. everyone who was on the team. And then we and then that's why I ended up on the Bruins. Luckily, they were, you know, nice enough to take me and just kind of have one more guy. So um and then I think somebody, didn't somebody make a team or somebody quit or somebody. Stephen Carnegie, Stephen Carnegie. Well, he didn't, he, he moved up to, um, I think it was him. It was either him or Derek Linden. One of the two, uh, went up and, and played in the OJ. Um, yes, and that's what happened. And yeah. And, and we needed a guy. Yeah. And we needed a guy and it just kind of worked out and that they needed an extra spot. And then I was on the team. And yeah. that was it. And like, looking back, I mean, I, I say this to people all the time and I feel like they don't believe me when I say it, but it was like, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Like it was, I, w- I was way better learning to play junior at 16 in junior C than I ever would have been playing triple A and major midget or whatever. Cause you know, there's, there's four lines 
there's the team aspect. I was playing against way stronger men, you know, learning yep. how to navigate that, learn how to play with fear and, and all those things, learning how to survive in the <laughs> league and, and all that. Right. And, uh, you know, just going through warm up and going through just all it was like a pro setting. Right. So I yeah. got early exposure to that. And, you know, looking back, it just, it was, I learned so many valuable lessons playing with you guys. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned that and it's, you know, that was a time like, being around the, the junior C and and environment now, I'm not sure I could play junior C today because it, it has become a remarkably highly skilled league. But having said that, and I tell my kids this and they don't they don't fucking believe me, but but I don't think they could play when we played because I don't think I don't think they're tough enough. And oh. and you mentioned that learning to survive in the league. But I do remember a newspaper article that a good friend of mine, Kyle Cicerelli, wrote when you were playing for the Toronto Marlies. And you had actually, like, you actually threw threw comment at the Bruins because you talked about not only what you learned on the ice, i.e. having to survive, but the things that you learned off the ice. And listen, nobody had more fun than we did. As a matter of fact, Saturday night is Mike Boyce's 40th, and we're going to carry on at that party the same way we did when we were 20. I can promise you. <laughs> but I mean, I remember you saying in this in this newspaper article, just, um, and this is something I find that that maybe is lacking from the environments I've been a part of. Anyways, is how to be a teammate, uh, not oh. only on the ice but off the ice as well. Talk about some of the things, like you said, that that you learned playing with a bunch of older guys who were established. Well, to set the scene, like, I mean, there was no, like, I'm pretty sure the Xbridge Bruins do not have a team nutritionist telling everybody the effects <laughs> of, uh, you know, after hour drinks and get the, you know, the, the importance of sleep no. and hydration and all those things. Right. But I mean, we had so much fun with that. Like, and, you know, to let all your listeners know, like, I think the coaching staff wanted to go with an older team. So if, if I remember correctly, we had, it was, it was like you, Crothers, and Brownie, I think, were the 21-year-olds because you were allowed 21-year-olds at the time. Three overagers, right? Yeah, actually, then, Brownie Brownie was the only one. Brownie was oh, our only really? 20-year-old, and Crothers, Dave Duncan, and I were 20-year-olds. And then the rest yeah. were 19. And then the rest were 19, correct. Yeah. And then we had, I think, Evan Bush was 18. Yeah. And I was I was 16. And right. Bush was old enough. So basically... You know, everyone, everybody was 19 years old. So the team <laughs> meetings were at the Fox and Fiddle after the game in the basement, right? And I was, <laughs> I was a little brother getting, you know, getting snuck in and having yeah. water and a ginger ale in the corner, you know. Like that kind of, <laughs> and it was, it was just you learned that, like you learned, you know, you learned how to be respectful to people, your teammates. You learned. I watched, you know, like Sean Burns, who's a good friend of mine, like watching him stick up for me and picking me up every day and driving me and the sacrifice of, you know, getting me there on time and all those things. And being, a, I remember you guys just, you know, the importance of little things like being on time and being there prepared, ready to go. Like I remember, um, you know, Dunk was, uh, who also protected me and saved me a bunch because we were on the same line and I, I had a bit of a temper and go after guys and I wouldn't be able to back it up and he'd step <laughs> in and save me numerous times. <laughs> and, um, yeah just like all that kind of stuff right like and i it was a learning experience for me to kind of watch you guys and the professionalism of it and you know your coaches what they demanded of us and 
um, like Dunk saying, you know, we're going for a run Monday night in, in Sunderland. Everybody be prepared and be ready. And I forgot I was like running in like my thin little gitch underwear and freezing, <laughs> you know, and, and, and guys being upset that people forgot and, you know, the importance of the season. And this was going to be the last year for some guys. And then, you know, they're never going to play again. And just the weight of all that. And you just had this it just ingrained this amount of respect that we had for each other, you know? So, um, I, you're right. I don't think, you know, kids playing in triple a and, um, not that I ever played that way, but it's just, it's, it's just not the same. Right. And, um, like I said before about, um, you know, having four lines on a team and having an extra guy. And, you know, I, I learned how to, I started off on the fourth line as an extra guy with the Uxbridge Bruins and how to, you learn how to respectfully kind of, you know, work your way up a lineup and push each other and healthy competition with one another. And um, how do you, you know, how do I get more responsibility and how do I, you know, or how do I help my teammate or how do I help the team win in different roles? How do you yeah. help? Cause you weren't on the power play. You weren't, you know, not everyone's going to be on the half on the power play. Right. So how do you, yeah. okay, well, how do I, how do I do more within my role that, that my coach sees me fit in? You know, how do I show that I'm more prepared and, ready to go like just all those tiny little lessons that I learned at 16 with the Bruins and then as I moved my way up it I it really helped me advance because I'd already learned though you know at such a young age right so um to your point I, I there's a lot of things off the ice that um in terms of that that I, p- people don't get these days you know you hear parents yeah. parents come up to me and ask me about their kids and I said well he's not learning all these things so if he's not going to learn that, he's not going to be able to handle being a college player or a pro player or, or absolutely or the OHL or how to conduct yourself as a professional, right? So, or even um, in a job like let's call a spade a spade here, even in a job away from the rink, if they yeah, can't absolutely. learn team atmosphere at the rink, they yeah. better they better hope they learn it, you know, on in an office job somewhere because yeah, how, yes. team, how to how to like support your teammate and how to understand that like you know a, a rising tide raises all boats like you know if i wanted to go play you know when i got to the spirit at the next level the only way that i was ever going to get a scholarship was if we won and we got you know we got on the map and there was going to be a couple guys who got scholarships right and yeah like that whole concept of advancing yourself through the team you know like it all started there with the Bruins for me yeah so. well t- if it makes you feel any better willie i didn't play very many power plays either <laughs> Hell I know a, I was. Hell, I was a PK guy. Talk. though. See, I'm trying to be. Re- I'm trying to be respectful <laughs> to the host, but I'm not going to. I can debate you. We know, buddy. We know. Hell, hell of a face off PK I. guy, though. Yeah. I, you know? but, so sorry, let's... they didn't know. What, they didn't know what they were doing out there, anyways, right? Cox yeah, absolutely. And, uh, critiquing them. Yeah, absolutely. But as soon as they came off, great job, boys. Great job. <laughs> You're close. You're close, guys. You're close. <laughs> oh, that's good. So yeah, so you spent a year with us, and then you uh, you honed yeah. your skills, and you moved up to your hometown, Stouffville Spirit, played playing in the OJHL, which they call it now. So that's what I will call it because that's the only way kids know uh, what we're talking about now. Uh, three yeah, or four the years there, I don't quite remember. I played two years, and then I got a scholarship after my second year. But then I, we deferred it a year, so I played two, three in total, I guess. Long, right, long right. So, sure. so talk to us about that. Talk to us about you know playing junior in your hometown, and and you talked about it. You know, doing the little things to be a better teammate, to be a better team, to get the eyes on your team to get a scholarship. Yeah. Talk to us about all that. Um, I mean, we were we were kind of a middle of the road team. Um, you know, and then it, again with the Bruins, like I started off on the fourth line and maybe only made my way up to the third line, but then I was 16, 17, I was seven, turning 17. And then, 
you know, I like all of us, you know, you wanted to, that's all I ever wanted was to play for my hometown team. You know, I remember going to spirit games in high school and watching those guys and they were heroes to me. Right. So, um, being able to play for them was really cool. And then once I was there, um, you know, I didn't know, like, I didn't know what was after that. I never really thought past that. And then, um, you know, some of you'd be playing against St. Mike's and, you know, I remember playing against Cogliano and he was like, Lee, like he was, and he was on another level. Like he was, you know, he, he was Gretzky out there. Right. And hearing the guys talk about, Oh, he's going to Michigan and he's going and you're like, what, like, what do you mean? What's that? And he's like, Oh, he's on a scholarship. And then you're watching him play world juniors and you're watching him play these things. So um, you just realize, okay, well, you know, I got a couple years and that's, I got to be that good. Right. So, and you know, you just worked at it. You, you worked at getting better. You worked at, you know, like I said, with the trainer, Randy Smith, there at body Smith, I owe, you know, everything to him. He's out there in Gormley now still, he's still training young kids and he's got some really good players and getting physically stronger, getting faster, learning how um, to support the puck better, learning how to be a better penalty killer, learning how to check better, learning how to, you know, it all started for me when I remember my dad telling me, well, if you want to play more, the first step is to not get scored on, which I feel like is, I mean, you're a coach. Uh, I mean, I mean, just, just watching this now, it seems like kids have really kind of lost that, that sense of, you know, if you want to play more, don't get scored on and the coach, you, you get the coach's trust. And then from there, the next step after that is the learning how to, to score on top of that. Right. And you become a complete player by not only not giving up anything, but then you become productive at the same time. Right. So all those lessons of, you know, getting onto the penalty kill and then not getting scored on. And then, you know, the next step was to get on the second power play and then, then, you know, create chances and how do you do all that? And, or, you know, if you're on the fourth line and you're not, you're not playing either special team, it's a bit of an art to be able to go out there with, you know, it seems like all the penalties are in the second period these days. So you don't play the second period and then you might get one or two shifts to start the third before the coach gets cut in his bench and you better make the most of it. Right. So mm-hmm. um, just, just being, just those lessons, you know, that I think you learn, playing the pro style of like a junior C or junior, you know, junior A. And then when I got to college, um, well, I guess getting back to your point, I know I'm jumping all over the place That's a little okay. bit here, but um, yeah, we had a really, just being a part of like a winning team, we kind of had a Cinderella run one year where um, January, February, March, things were really, we were just a middle of the pack team, but then things really started to come together. We had a really close knit group of guys. Um, you know, we had a lot of fun cared about each other, um, wanted the best for each other. We all kind of fell into these roles and embraced them and um, wanted to do our best within our our role for the team and it really just amplified team success. We ran with a hot goalie and we started pulling off, you know, upsets in the playoffs. And before you knew it, I think we went all the way to like middle of April or whatever it was. And it was every other night and the grind of that and learning how to beat teams, learning how to – you know, um, beat a better team. Like we, we, there was some series that we had no business in, but we found ways to win, to manipulate them, to play to our strengths, to intimidate them, to pick them apart. Like just all that kind of stuff that we, you know, that we learned at that age. And like I said, we, we had a Cinderella run. Some of us got some attention that probably because we went deep in the playoffs and scouts had no games to go to. So, (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, towards the end of the year, you know, they're going to a game and you get noticed, right? That's kind of how it works. So I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship out of the Stowe Spirit and kind of went from there. So Right on. So you from Stowville, um, pardon me, you go to Lake Superior State, which is northern oh, yeah. northern Michigan. 
Yeah, so it's right in Sault Ste. Marie, but it, right. um, yes. it, yeah. it's the twin Sioux, so it's right on the U.S. side of the border. So, but it, is it not, and, and I'm not as familiar with the NCAA, especially the hockey program, as I should be, not an overly well-known school in Canada to send players no. to, is it? No, no. so I had, a, I had a little bit of interest from a couple teams, but the thing that really jumped out with me was, at the time, the division that they played in. It was the CCHA at the time. They had some really strong teams like Michigan, Michigan State, um, Ohio State, like they had oh, wow. some, yeah, they had some big hockey programs. So um, again, like I realized that if I played in that division, you were going to be playing against some some good players who had you know a lot of attention on them, right? So um, I kind of had that craving where I wanted to play against the best, and um, that school was going to give me the opportunity to play against some of the best players. So um, yeah, I went there. I was fortunate enough to go there. I had a blast. Played four years. Um, it was, yeah, it was great. I mean, it was just incredible experience and I felt lucky to kind of, uh, you know, have that opportunity. Now here's a question. It's, it's, it's backpedaling a little bit, but when you were playing in Uxbridge, did we make, yeah. did we do a trip to Michigan state? Oh yeah. You were I, figured we were, I figured we were going to talk about that, but you, you know, were on one of those. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't sewer you. You're more than no, welcome to sewer me, but so, this, so is, me... this is what, this is what I thought you guys were we had three 21 year olds because I remember going to the border and there was only three guys that were allowed off the bus to go to the duty free. Remember? And then we loaded it up. And I remember you guys coming back to the bus being like, all right, we're only going for two nights, but it, it, we're, we're set guys. We're set. Remember that? I do. Yes, I do. Um, because it was actually the next year uh, we went, we went back and yeah, Crothers and Dunk and I were the 21 year olds. And there will mighty, there may or may not have been an incident. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> but they they made they made all the uh, they made all the underage players who were of age in Canada, mind you, put all their beer in our room. Well, we just went in our room and locked the fucking door for like the rest of the weekend. But so was your experience? Was your experience? I know you'd only go in there for a road game, but I mean, yeah, it was incredible. I, like, actually, I think if if I recall correctly, I think when I played there, I think Burns made the trip to come down because he remembered that weekend of us all being there. And yeah. I think, and I think at the time, like it was a lot of fun and it was a blast to be a part of. We went there, but I was. I hope I say this right, where it comes across the right way. But I was fortunate enough where, like, I was sixteen years old, and I felt like if I really get my act together, there might be a chance that I could get a scholarship by the time I'm 20. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, and I yeah. could, I could be a part of it. So it was really motivating <clears> for me. <throat> it was, it was incredible to be that, to be there and for the team to do that for us to bring us down there. And I'm sure like looking back, it's not, that's not a cheap trip, you know, like hotels no. and everything like, right. No. So uh, I felt pretty fortunate to, you know, to get that experience and think that it was a possibility. And I remember how much it motivated me going home and, trying to reach there and then um like i said so i chose to go to lake state and michigan state was in that division and i think we went there our second year and uh just to play in that arena i remember being up in the morning skate like looking up where i stood and watched the game when i was with all yeah, you guys yeah. and i was there are there have been some moments that kind of come full circle like that and you just you take a second and just appreciate how you know how cool it was so well they uh the oxbridge bruins cameraman peter ovens he still <laughs> To this day, has nightmares about you know being one of the chaperones in Michigan State, <laughs> and trying to keep all of us under control. That's for sure. But um, living living way up north there in Sault Ste. Marie, like that's 
that's some fucking climate up there, bud. Like how name a better hockey environment than playing up there. It, it must've been crazy up there. Like lots of fans. I would like great support from the school was, was hockey their main sport. Talk to us about that. We did. Yeah. Like it was fortunate because it was a smaller school. It had a long, the program wasn't really, it, it was really strong during the eighties, eighties, nineties. Like uh, Doug okay. Wade went there. Brian Rolston went there. Oh, wow. The two okay. like, like yep. headline guys that kind of came out of there. Um, I think one or both of them were Michigan guys. So they'd go up there to, to play. And um, it was a real hotbed for hockey. And then I think the program maybe got off the rails a little bit. And then by the time we had come in, it was, it was like kind of in a rebuilding phase. Um, but they, and again, they were a part of a really strong division, right? So um, we were the only, <clears throat> excuse me, we were the only division one sport. So we were like guys, we were kind of, you know, I don't want to say Kings on campus, but we were, um, yeah, like we were kind of the the, the, the team, right? Mm-hmm. But it was a small school. There wasn't a lot of people there. It kind of felt like a high school. And but like you said, the weather was tough. I remember one morning we came in, we were going to school to class at like 8 a.m. We opened up our front door and it was like head to toe, like snow. And we were just like, we just closed the door. We're like, nope, not going to school today. Like, like we would get crazy amounts of snow and it began to wear on you a little bit but it was the hockey for me like it, we had a great facility we had a good team we had a really really good group of guys again the bond that we had between all of us was um was great because you know we, we just spent so much time together we went to school together um trained together we'd hang out at night together um still you know friends with a lot of a lot of those guys to this day so um yeah it was a blast and um i had a coach that was kind of he was demanding and he was he was kind of gave us some tough love and um kind of turned me into the player that I was he taught me a lot about structure and about um how to play and how to um you know position yourself on the ice and play to a team system and um just all those little habits that really kind of benefited me for when I when I got to pro so yeah it was it was a blast I had I had so much fun and got to play in some really cool rinks too like we talked about like at Michigan at Yost and we went to um, we played a tournament in Wisconsin one time, and uh, Michigan State, and Ohio State, Miami of Ohio, Alaska. Like traveled around a little bit. Like we were. Oh yeah. It was uh it, it was just so cool to be a part of that, you know. So it, yeah. it felt like felt like you were a pro at another, you know, in a different sense, yeah. another level, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it was it was a blast. I had you know like again, I feel really fortunate to be a part of that. Yeah, for sure. From Lake Superior State. Actually, there was something I was just going to ask you, but now I can't quite remember. Oh, I wasn't going to ask you. I was going to mention that um, aside from the Michigan State games, when I moved home from Alberta, we yeah. stopped and uh, we stopped in Madison and we saw oh, yeah. Wisconsin play Michigan uh, Michigan Go- uh, Golden Gophers. And Great. man, what an atmosphere. We actually got up and left. It was 5 nothing. I can't remember for who. We actually got got up and left at the end of the second period. We went down the street to some little college bar, right? And we were hanging out and just, you know, of course, they had the games on the TV. Um, and whatever team was winning 5 nothing, they ended up losing 6-5 in overtime. Oh, no, you um, left too soon. You we left, left too soon, soon, but just the atmosphere, you know, the, the, they, the school band is in the rink yeah. and there's the student section and just uh, much like the football games, every school kind of has a like a fan tradition i guess i'll call it um did what what kind of stuff did you guys have up in lake superior for that we had this cool tradition where you ring there's like this big bell in front of the rink so whenever we won we would race into the dressing room take off our skates quick and throw on our toques and we would run out the out of our dressing room 
through like the lobby and everywhere and all the fans would line up and like cheer and pat us and we'd run out outside to this bell and we'd all take a ring at it right so Oh, it's yeah. almost like I guess back in the day, the fans used to ring the bell to let the town know that the team had won. Right. So then we'd made it in tradition where we would run out there and they'd call it ringy dingy and we'd all take a ring and hit it. And um, yeah, it was just so much fun. Like if I, I think at school, that's where I kind of learned. Like I started became towards my later years, play more of a predominant role and playing more minutes and important minutes and just how much pride you took in like a team win. You know, you gave it everything oh, you yeah. had. And, you were just so exhausted at the end of the end of the game, end of the night. And, but just the feeling of like elevated joy of like, you overcame, you know, a big team that was supposed to beat you, but you grinded it out and you beat them, you know, yeah. running out, running out in the lobby and you can barely lift your arms, but how excited you were. And, um, just those feelings. It's, you know, that that's kind of what you look back and remember and how, you know, things you were proud about and just the association of ringing the bell, you know, like how much it means to me now. And, if I, I haven't been back, but if I ever went back now and you watch those guys ringing the bell, you just, you can just really relate to the, you know, the emotions they're feeling. Well, to be like, I'm getting goosebumps. I've never seen it, never been a part of it, but I'm getting yeah. goosebumps. Just listen to it. Cause I'm a traditionalist. Like I love shit like that. So, yeah. um, that, that sounds awesome. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to skip over your AHL time here just cause we do have it. We do have a, a timeline here and I, I've still got a lot of stuff I want to get to, um, but we're going to skip over your AHL career, spent time, uh, the majority of your time with the Toronto Marlies, I guess. But yeah, in 2013-2014, you make it, you make it to the show, you get to the big dance, and Crazy. you wear you wear that Edmonton Oilers jersey for 33 games in the NHL. I yeah. I want to ask you, uh, once you figured out you made the team, because listen, preseason doesn't count, right? I mean it's closer than I'm ever going to get, but putting that Jersey on for your first regular season game in the NHL, a, a Jersey that maybe you didn't grow up idolizing because you're, you know, a Toronto yeah. kid more or less. So, you know, I would assume that was a Leafs Jersey. Um, maybe, maybe an Islanders or a fucking North stars Jersey, but putting on that Edmonton Oilers. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't try to work. Don't try to work that orange and blue into my story. <laughs> you keep that over on your side yourself. Putting that, putting that Edmonton Oilers jersey on it, like a jersey with so much tradition and so much yeah. winning. What was that like for for you after everything you'd been through? Because and and I'll give credit where it's due. Like you were twenty six years old, yeah, when yeah, you made it to the NHL. You yeah. did some fucking clawing. You did some scratching. Yeah. You did some yeah. digging, and you worked your balls off to get there. What did that I feel? Lost like? a lot. I lost a lot of fights along the way trying to get there. I still got the scars to show up, but um, yeah, it was, you know what, Coxie, to be honest with you, like it, it was, it was so strange. I remember sitting in the room about to go out being like, I should feel a lot more nervous than what I do right now. Like you worked thinking about how many times I had to clean the bus from all you guys, junior C dropping all your <laughs> shit on the floor, you know, thinking here I am picking up, you know, that joke's on not jokes. Joke, who's, yeah. who's laughing now? eh? Yeah, and he's like, I did get favor. I left a lid on my water bottle with that spitter on the floor. And when I was doing it, they didn't even put the lid on, you know. All that. <laughs> I, yeah, sitting in the dressing room about to go out, and I'm like, I don't know. It was just so surreal because I like, I played with the Marlies, and I, I signed with them. And even just getting that call and the way that the they structured the contract, it, it kind of hinted that at one point you'd get a game, you know, at least one game. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, my God. And then we went into training camp and I think I played every single, I was going in, I was a bubble guy 
you know, I, right. my spot wasn't guaranteed. I had to beat out a couple other guys. And again, I, I, I'd been in that position since playing with you, you know, like I, I knew I could do it. Right. So I played every exhibition game and then it, well, all of a sudden it was like a Wednesday night, hockey night in Canada. There you go to another game. And I remember it was just, it was already like the four or five exhibition games that I played. So in my mind, it felt like I was a, a couple games into the season, but you're right. You get out there and you're playing against all these guys that you've seen on TV and you see them in the flesh and you're just like a little bit starstruck. You're like, holy shit, that's so-and-so and that's so-and-so. And um, and then you obviously snap back into it and play. And we scored uh, or played with Luke Gazdick. We scored for, or he scored first shift. I was so excited. I, I acted like I'm a little embarrassed looking back on it. I, I acted like I scored the goal. You know, I was so <laughs> excited for him and I was just pumped and it was just... Yeah, it was everything that just kind of came full circle. It was a really, really cool special moment for sure. Yeah, for sure. And and I mean, you were there at an interesting time too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I looked up just to be sure uh, Taylor Hall was still there. Jordan Everly. Yeah. Sam Gagne, uh, the Nuge, Yakupov, yeah. Yakupov was, was there. Was like, there. So you were there yeah. in, you know, what was... I guess Cogliano must have been gone already, maybe. Yeah, he was he was gone already, yeah. He was gone. But I mean that was, you know, that was they were supposed to be the future of the Oilers. Um yeah. Nuge is the only one still there. But that must Tons have been was there a lot of pressure at that time in Edmonton when all that like we'll call it the rebuild was going on and you're coming in, like you say, even as a fourth line guy, could you feel the pressure to succeed with what was going on there? Yeah, and I think like if I remember correctly, we ran the table in exhibition. We were like eight and one or something like that. Like we mm-hmm. were really good, and we thought you know I was I came in as like you know a bubble guy, but we had a new coach, and um, I think they added another piece. Like they got a bunch of cup. They signed a couple guys, and it was kind of like okay, this team's got to take a step. And we started off like zero and ten or something. Like it was it was bad, right? And then. I remember it being like middle of November and we were, we were almost out of like, almost out of it, like contention. We were last in the league and, you know, they, they do all the same thing that the, the stats they're doing today where they're like, okay, well, as of uh, December 1st, this team's got to go 800 the rest of the year to get 97 points to get into the playoffs. Right. Like there was a lot of pressure and um, it's funny. My wife now she's, she kind of reminds me of it. Like, I, you know, we have conversations like this and I look back and I say, oh, it was great. It was the time of my life, the most special time of my career. And she looks at me, she's like, do you remember how stressed you were every day? Like I took every day, like every practice, like it was game seven, like it was do or die for me, every game, every shift, every, it was, it was, it was really intense because I knew I really wanted to make the most of my opportunity. Right. So it was stressful, um, you know, but it was, that's kind of part of being a pro athlete. Like it's kind of, it comes with the territory where if things, if you don't perform, if you don't win, if you don't make the most of your opportunity, they're going to move on to the next guy. Right. So um, it, it, it was stressful. I think it was stressful for the core guys to kind of take the next step and to win. And I didn't really see it or appreciate it at the time. You know, I was, you know, young and new to the league and probably just didn't know better, but on a personal level, yeah, it was, it was stressful for me to try to, make the most of my opportunity and carve out, you know, uh, to be a full-time guy. Right. So that was kind of my objective at the time. Uh, your first NHL goal, where was it? You scored three of them. Where was it? Three of them. My, my first one was in Washington, actually, probably the most anti-climatic goal <laughs> you can see. It was, it was four to one. I hadn't played about half the game 
And then they scored to make it four to one. And it was like a minute and a half to go. And they're like, well, go. It's like, okay. And I came on the bench and, and um, Perron went in and hit somebody and got the puck and then passed it out because Petrie was sneaking down back door to try to get a goal. And he, he, I'll never forget it. He actually went to shoot and he fanned on it. And I'm alone back door. And it was like time stood still. And it was like this bouncing puck was coming to me to like this empty net. And I was like, okay, it was almost <laughs> like a pebble, like bouncing down a cobblestone road. Like, yeah, okay. I, I can time this. I can get it. Like <clears throat> I can hit it in and just close my eyes and took a quick slap at it. And I caught it and remember going in and yeah, it was surreal. Like who was I, playing? I think, Alfred, I think it was Holtby, but again, yeah. I didn't, I didn't beat him. He was in the corner. Right. Like, it was <laughs> a, a wide open net. Right. And I put it in like half our team, I think was ready to go to the bus. Like it was just one of those moods, like an ugly loss, but I didn't care for me. I had, I'd worked in my mind. I felt like I, like you said, I, I, I worked my way to get there, you know, the back roads and um, it was a special moment to kind of get one to have it go in. And yeah, it was, it was really cool. I still have the puck and to this day and it's, uh, it's pretty neat. So. Well, that's um, th- there's been a, there's been a common theme to this interview and I'm really enjoying it. And, and I know I have a lot of young hockey players listen to this podcast. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I hope I hope they're listening to all this because the the themes that I'm picking up on are are hard work and and oh, yeah. learning. You did it sounds like you did so much learning. So my next question, I mean, you learned everything you needed to know from me and the boys in Uxbridge, anyways. But you also had guys like Ryan Jason of the Fox and Fiddle. The amount of wisdom <laughs> floating around that place. I'm surprised the roof's still on there. You know. Hey, listen. Someday we're all going to collaborate and we're going to write a book. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, you you're playing with guys like Ryan Smith, Ryan Smith, and Alice yeah. Hemsky. They're in that dressing room too. Like, I mean, yeah. for myself, for myself, I love a big Ryan Smith fan. But yeah. what, like, what 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 would you learn from those guys? I mean, that would just be like that's an encyclopedia of wisdom mm-hmm. right there. You know what? Like, as incredible hockey players as those two guys were, they were they were even better people. Like, mm-hmm. Emmer was. He was one of the funniest guys you'd, you'd meet. So smart, quick-witted, like, um, but he worked really, really hard. He had this understated work ethic to him that it probably most people don't didn't realize when you watch him play. And just how, what a smart hockey player he was too, how good he yeah. was. And he was, and he was just a good guy too, you know, like just, I was new in the league and just how he was just so nice to me. And I mean, another guy like Ryan Smith, how great he was. And he was, you know, I remember him, he just, he just had that charisma and class to him that he knew what to say. Like he'd been around long enough that he knew a small comment and how much it would mean to, to a young guy. You know what I mean? And he took me oh, out yeah. to dinner a couple of times and um, he hosted, <laughs> he hosted like the team party and um, the, you know, like just beginning of the year to get everybody together and how nice it was for me to kind of, you know, be around the guys in like a casual environment to get to know them a little bit better. Right. So again, being around with you guys, you guys talking about all these captain Canada jokes and everything like that. And then fast forward, However many years later, there I am riding the bus and he's sitting over there and I'm like, this is pretty cool, right? Like, it, oh, yeah. uh, you'd have you'd have kind of moments like that where you'd have to pinch yourself a little bit. So, yeah, those two guys, they were great. So they were class acts, those two. Who was the guy, like when you got to the NHL, um, who was the guy that you were on the ice with at one point that you were just like, like your jaw just dropped? You're like, I cannot believe I'm on the ice with this guy. There had to be one. There was a, yeah, there was two. I, I was lucky enough. I, I played one game against Sid, 
who that was wow. like it was incredible I, I but again i think i played like two and a half minutes that game so i don't think i ever played against him but doesn't matter on the bench and watching skate by yeah it's pretty cool right yeah and I, the one i remember is um i took a, a couple face-offs against jonathan taves and i remember going oh, into yeah. like i remember going into like the draw and it was like you know as a centerman you do it a million times right and then you worry about this that and the other and you look up and you know it's him but like when you see him you know, he has that bad yeah. helmet and the big visor. And Such good style. Such good style. Yeah, right? Oh, like, you just, like, you'd watch him on TV and it's hard from that. To, like, you'd almost want to ask him for a picture, an autograph. But you're yeah, like, oh, I, got a, I got a job to do here, right? So, um, <clears throat> and then I cheated on the draw like crazy and I won. And he, I remember he, I skated like right by. I was like, I'm gone. I'm out of here. And he was like yelling at the, the ref being like, you let this fucking rookie like, you know, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh yeah. I, I was, I was like, that was so cool. Right. So um that was i still remember taking the draw against jonathan taves and it was just it was cool for you know for you know for a young kid like me like a nobody in the league to just be around some of those superstars was oh yeah for sure did you get um like i hear like you know biz and whitney and and upshaw and those guys they talk about it um did you ever did you ever like there's a picture i was googling some willie acton pictures and there's a picture of you standing (laughs) face to face with ovi and it looks like you're laughing. Like, I don't know, but like, did you ever, I, did you ever request? Okay, so I gotta, yeah, it's let's a pretty good story. This is a pretty good story. And I haven't told this, but anyways, long roundabout story. You know how I tell bad stories, but you asked, here we go. <laughs> I played with a guy in the minors, uh, Leo Komarov, right? Yep. And he was Uncle with us Leo. with the Marlies. Leo, yeah. And he was just this unbelievable. And for whatever reason, him and I just kind of took, right? And we were, he had a clause in his contract that if the NHL, because he came over to play in the NHL. So if, there wasn't the NHL by whatever day it was, or I think it was in November. He was going back and he used to always say to me, he's like, yeah, I know Ovi because they played with Moscow Dynamo together. And um, he was like, yeah, he's like, uh, he's, he's telling me this and that. And I'm like, buddy, you're not friends with Ovi. Like stop telling me your friends. He's like, yeah, I'm going back. I'm going back. And we were in Texas at the time and we were at the airport flying home. And he comes up to me, he goes, Will, I'm going home. I said, yeah, I've, I figured like you're, you're heading back to Russia. Like the league, the NHL doesn't sound like it's starting up anytime soon. And he goes, okay, I'll see you later. And I was like, what do you mean? You're not getting on the flight with us to go back to Toronto. He's like, no, I booked a flight. I'm going to Russia right now. Like he literally left in the airport and just like walked off. Right. And I was like, I never seen anything like that. But the one thing I said to, I just kept saying to him, like out of nowhere, I said, okay, if you're buddies with Ovi, you'll, you bring me back a stick when you come back. Like if you like prove that you're friends with them. Right just being a smart ass, not thinking anything of it. Sure enough, the NHL kicks up in February or whatever it was. He was such a classy guy. He walked, he was with, he made the leaves and he walks over and he comes and says hi to us. Like in the, cause the rink, the practice rinks are connected there. He came over yep. and said hi. And he goes, Will, come with me. And he's like, what is this? And he walks me out to his car and he opens up his rental car hatch. And there is a Alex Ovechkin signed stick. No oh, shit. You go. He goes, here you go. Right. And I was like, wow i said i have no i said i can't take this i can't he's like ah like here you go like whatever and i was like wow that's so cool so anyways fast forward to playing against ovi right it was playing with luke gazdick and somebody ran somebody right and a huge melee goes and i'm just like oh shit luke's in there i better come and grab somebody right yeah and grab someone out of the pile and oh shit it's ovechkin here he is face to face (laughs) right and i'm like like at the time I was fighting a little bit, wasn't winning many, but I was trying to establish in the league and trying to, you know, incorporate a little bit of that into my game. 
And then I grab him, like it just happened to be grabbing him. And I'm like, oh, I thought this, what are you going to do? You're not going to like do that to him. Right. So, and then, and then he kept saying to me, he's like, who are you? Who are you? And I'm like, yeah, I know I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. And he's like, he's like, do you want a stick? Do you want a stick? Like asking me for a stick. And I actually said, to him, I was like, I already have a stick. So just fucking cool your jets. Right. Like relax. <laughs> so in that picture, that's what I think. I think that's what I was smiling about was he was telling me, do you want a stick? And I was, luckily leo already hooked me up with one. that's so. fuck that's a funny that's a good story that's a fucking yeah, good story there's just so many things in hockey that kind of come in a roundabout way like oh that. yeah did you have um i know you had a couple nhl fights oh yeah i had a couple didn't win i can't i don't even remember who my first one was against. did you fight travis mullen no i did not okay exactly. for some no. reason i thought you fought travis mullen and i was like fuck good for you man but whatever no, but- um, one was Kessler, one was um, Matthias, one was Joe. Joe Vitale got me really bad, knocked me out. Um, that one was unfortunate. Brent Smith, I don't know. They're all in. It's funny yeah. they're all on YouTube, and my kids now are like, "Can I? Can I YouTube you?" And I was like, "No, because <laughs> all my losses are up there." Um, but uh, that's but yeah. okay. I I would have fucking fought Ryan Kessler too. That guy's a. I hated him as a hockey player, but I'd love him on my team. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. I had yeah. a lot of respect for him, but I think at the time it was like um, he kind of was going after guys, and I was looking. It was early in the year, and I thought I took going to make a name for yourself. I, yeah, yeah. If I did it, maybe they'd tell me to get a place and to stick around, and so that's what I, I ended up. I think I stepped on his stick or something. It wasn't much of a fight, luckily, because he probably right. would have gotten the better <laughs> of me for sure if it, if it went on any longer. So I, I escaped. Right on, right on. So you leave Edmonton, you go overseas. And you play a bunch yeah. of years there. I'm, I'm, um, I'm going to skip over that too because I really, what I really want to get into is what you're doing now, and yeah, we're we're going to dig into it a little bit here because I got at being a coach and trying to relay messages to my players, and then I don't know whether just because I'm a fucking dairy farmer who coaches hockey on the side or what they don't, or you know, I never left Oxbridge, they don't want to listen to me. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna dig in here, and we're gonna talk about some stuff. Tell us what you're doing now with with within the hockey world. What are, what are you up to these days? So I got a job, lucky enough to get a job with the Pittsburgh Penguins as a pro scout. Um, so as a pro scout, I go around to NHL games and American League games, and I scout players and uh, write reports, and I report back to the leadership group with the Penguins. Perfect. That's so. Let me ask you. When you go and you scout a player, let's say Pittsburgh says, go to Winnipeg and look at this guy. And I'm saying Winnipeg because that's where you are now, if that's okay. No, we Winnipeg. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and they say, look at this guy. Isn't it just easier to just look him up on Elite Prospects and say, well, he's got fucking 15 points and 14 games sign up? Yeah, there, there is that. I mean, I think every league now has got a really in-depth analytical department, too, that kind of does that. But what I mean is, what I mean is, I guess, why yeah. don't why don't you just do that? Well, we got to look at, like, in a roundabout way to answer your question, like, we got to look at the players to kind of see how they, how, what their process is. Like, yeah. he's got 15 points in 13 games. Okay, well, how is he doing it? And he's, yeah. There's different ways of doing that, obviously. Um, but the main thing that I think I would look for and amateur scouts in particular would look for, for kids playing junior or minor hockey or whatever the case may be, even a pro, is how much does it really mean to the kid? Like, how much does it really mean to him to want to play, to be engaged, to um, 
contribute to his team to embrace the not I don't want to say embrace the role because I certainly don't want to ever want to pigeonhole anybody. Um, but does he do the things necessary to win, to contribute, to you know, tip the scales to have his team win at the end of the day? Sorry, the I gotta I gotta cut you off yeah. right there. And I just wanna say to the young hockey players listening, listen to what Will is saying here. He just said, is he willing to do the things that help you win? And because and the reason I'm I'm focusing on this is what I find as a coach these days, kids only care about points. They don't want to block a shot on a PK when they're up two to one with you know four minutes left in the game or anything like that. They they don't think that a that that matters when they're being scouted. All they think about is points. So I really want you to, if you can, hammer home on exactly these things that you look for. Yeah, just, I mean. <laughs> We always have we say that like points or numbers don't lie, but they can be deceiving type thing. You know, oh, like yeah. you can you can watch a guy who gets two points a game, but he's not involved for forty eight minutes of the game. You don't even know he's there. And if you watch the ultimate holy grail is if you watch the Stanley Cup Finals, there's a lot of guys doing a lot of things, and a lot of them don't have points. But half of them are going to get their name on the cup at the end of the night or God at the damn end of the right. Series, right? So yep. So it really it really stems backwards from there. I think. Um, like you said, blocking shots, but you know what? It doesn't even have to be that. It's like even through your skating, like, does it matter enough to you to kind of, as a defenseman, gap up to, to get into neutral zone to establish a gap against the, to accept the rush against an opposing forward? Or do you, do you forecheck hard enough not to like, you know, blast the guy to put him into the, through the glass in the third row, but to check him and to stick lift him to eliminate time and space on him to, you know, you don't have to be this, you know, hero hitting everyone taking penalties, but do you do you check well enough? Do you work enough to like watch the game and see how some of these best checkers in the league establish an angle on you know on a guy and eliminate him and rub him out and then beat him off the boards back to the net? Do you um, you know do you protect the puck well enough in um, the offensive zone in the cycle so the play doesn't die with you every single time? Do you you know do you work to establish a passing lane to your centerman so that you can? give him an out when he needs to get rid of the puck because he's getting checked to support him to continue the play. Do you do all these little things? And does it matter to you enough that you pay attention in practice to be those good players? You yeah. know, like oh, yeah. your practice time is your practice time. And it's, so it's not so much like the traditional, you know, what your coach is telling you to do this, do as I say, not as I do, which I'm sure has got to be your, your oh, God, mentor, yeah. right? But, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, but does it, like, again, like, it just kind of comes back to, does it mean enough to you? Like, does it mean enough to you to think about that when you're away from the ring to say, how am I going to be a better player? Like, how am I going to, you know, um, get more points with by being on the third line? How am I going to help my team win more? How am I and even just being sound defensively, like thinking about how am I going to get more ice time and make my coach trust me because I'm good defensively? Like, do you think about that? And is it important enough for you to make that sacrifice to do all that, you know, like to eat better, to train harder, to, you know, are you going to make a total life commitment to this thing? You know, um, I know I keep saying it, but does it matter enough to you? Right. And I think some of the scouts, everywhere at the end of the day i think that's kind of what they're looking for it's what coaches are looking for it's what we're all looking for it's all the same thing absolutely and and i mean like you you kind of did say it like that's kind of what scouts are looking for you know from u16 right through to the nhl right it, it correlates it correlates from start to finish and the other thing i'll say is like if you do all those things that i mentioned points are going to fall into place for you like if mm -hmm. you and you have the total game and you will get a point a game by doing all those little things. 
You know, it's not just about being the, the guy who finishes off the play. I mean, that would be kind of my advice to kids. But there's so many resources out there nowadays with um, all this type of stuff that if it if it really matters to a kid, I think he's going to find a way to make it and make it there. So, um, I, I mean, that I, I don't want that to be vague advice, but I think that's ultimately at the end of the day, if it means enough to you, you'll, you'll get there. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. What is your what's your travel schedule look like as a scout? Like, do you have a certain territory that you work with or are you yeah, a certain like group of most, teams? Most, or guys have, most guys have teams. I'm kind of in the Northeast, so I try to catch a lot of teams as they roll through Toronto um, to kind of minimize, you know, how much I'm away, right? But, um, yeah, so I go to Ottawa a lot, Montreal a lot. I go to Buffalo quite a bit, Rochester, Belleville, uh, Laval, all those places. So Detroit, Grand Rapids, you know. So um, we have, like, there's every team's got, like, a – Certain you got to see a certain amount of teams, certain amount of times to know your players well enough, and yeah, so we're kind of all over the place. So absolutely, right on. So um, we're we're getting close to our to our cutoff time here. A uh, couple things I want to ask you: How's your dad? How's your dad doing? He's, I haven't been <laughs> over to the good. Boston Pizza in Stouffville lately to to see how he's oh. doing, but oh he's, um, yeah, he's good. He's yeah, he's like you said, he's at the Boston Pizza. He's doing that. Um, he's there every day and. Um, doing odds and end things there. Uh, yeah, he's doing good though. So we're kind of at the season. We're, we're building the backyard rank now and getting. Oh out. yeah, so that's always a fun time of year. I know you guys were out there a couple times. Up oh here, yeah, so you've been there. I, yeah. I remember thinking. Uh, I remember. Yeah, a bunch of us came over one day and we were out on your backyard rink, and just you know, you're on the backyard rink. It's a Saturday afternoon. We all thought we were so fucking good at hockey, and then your dad <laughs> comes out and he throws the Jets on there and just. Just took us to fucking school on playing hockey. Oh, and yeah. and I remember too, like, I mean, I don't think he was, but I remember just like, it was just backyard rink hockey and how possessed your dad was with winning. Yeah. It was, oh, I, yeah. it was yeah. fucked. I was like, he calm down, win. Keith, relax. It's al- it's almost like a, it's almost borderlines upon a sickness. Like he needs to win. Right. Yes, and that's he, he. And he says it to this day. He's like, "I'm not going out there to lose," but he says it in like <laughs> a natural way. Like it's, it's like, it's like you really believe that, don't you? You know what I mean? You're almost seventy, but you really—that's real. Oh yeah, thing. but yeah, yeah he's, well, yeah, so he's and, the best. Listen, I mean, that's what got him over a thousand NHL games played, half a point a game, uh, yeah. guy, just about half. And what he coached almost sixteen, coached six, almost sixteen hundred games in the NHL yeah. too. I mean, that doesn't happen by accident, man. No, no, yeah, he he had a run where he was. I think he was in the league as a player for 16 straight, and then at the time, it wasn't uncommon for a guy like that to jump right into coaching. And then he coached for 20 years in the NHL, like yeah. So it was like 35 years he was in the league in some capacity for yeah, 35 years. So it was um, it was impressive. So he, you know, I tap into his wisdom a lot. Like you said, he could he knows. I personally, obviously, I'm biased, but I feel like he knows a lot about you know that. Um, you know, what wins and seeing the trends over time and characters of a player and those types of things. So, um, and he, he, like, again, it shows like when he comes out to the rink and he just taps into it, like he's, he's yeah. on another level. Yeah. So, well, last yeah, time he's I, doing good. Last time I saw him was, was sadly, it was at a funeral for, for a member of his family, but I went up and I spoke to him and I, to this day, I don't know if he knew who I was, but I, oh, you know, yeah. Hey Keith, yeah. how you doing? And, and I started, immediately just started chirping you and he was just howling by the time I was done. And I walked away thinking, I don't know if he knew who I was, but 
he, he, d- he sure d- did make him laugh. So he has that like quality to him where he gives off that impression. And but he he'll like hang in there and like trying to figure it out as he's talking to you. But then yeah, afterwards yeah. when he spoke, I was like, Yeah, you know that guy. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh right on, right on. Um quickly, any any coaching yeah. in your future? I don't know. I'm still I'm still figuring this out. I got my hands. I got a lot to learn, lots of going on and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I, I wouldn't mind I, at some point the right opportunity, maybe I, I'm, I'm open to everything. I think uh, I feel lucky just to kind of have a job in the game and be doing what I'm doing. So yeah, that's I'm not too worried about tomorrow right now, but um, it, it, I mean, it is something that I've always um, had an interest in, but um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where, where everything takes me. But Right on. Okay. I got, I got uh, four, just rapid fi- five, sorry, yeah. five rapid fires for you. Uh, favorite rink of all time to either play in, watch a game, whatever oh god coxie i'm gonna favorite rink of all time it was really cool for me i was fortunate enough to play a game at the or scotia bank arena now the acc my right. dad coached there for a long time i remember going watching games like we you, know, you took us to a practice there. one time remember that yeah that's right yeah, then we went yeah, to the yeah, hall yeah, of fame right. and just hung out for the mm-hmm. day we were driving all the way down in your little red sunfire. I was okay, driving hey, all bud. the way in the back seat. Remember, <laughs> you had that amp yeah. in the back, and you guys were talking to the front, and I remember just going, "Uh huh, uh huh," because I couldn't hear a fucking thing in the back seat. <laughs> Will, are you all right back there? You got those tickets, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're right here. <laughs> um, um, yeah. yeah so so Scotia Bank, Scotia Bank. Um, I played. Um, like I played, like I said, I played a game at Michigan in their Yost Arena. There, that yep. was incredible. Couple, actually, a couple overseas too were really, really cool. Yeah, um, they're the be, yeah. in Europe are amazing. The Did you get to play in really Davos? Cool. Did you get to play in Dov in that Davos? Yeah, ring? I played. I, I yeah. played in, Sp- in the Spangler one year. We went as a team, so I wasn't a part of Team Canada, but we went as our club team to okay. play in it, which was amazing. Um, that was really, really cool. And then I've gone scouting to MSG, which was really neat. That oh, yeah. is like is really really cool. So I'm sure there's more. Actually, Winnipeg is not a bad place at all. The fans in here go wild and loud and nuts. And from a scout's perspective, it's a great scouting area. Nice, you know, good water and coffee and everything. So it's it's pretty perfect. Cool. All of them have their charms too, but yeah. I'd probably go with those ones. Right on. Uh, favorite player growing <laughs> up, and you can't say me. I wasn't gonna say you, but <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you know, I can't say that one. I guess. Um, actually, I always looked up to Sid, to be honest, which is yeah. um, kind of roundabout way. I mean, just how he, I, I, I think he'd probably be the popular answer for a lot of us, right? Oh um, yeah, yeah. Just how dominant he was, and determined he was, and talented he was, and everything, and is still is to this day. So, um, I'd probably go with him. Uh, chicken or steak? Steak, I would say. Boxers are brief. I, I would also say I was uh, when I went to Europe. I was vegetarian for like four or five years when I was over there. So really? trying to yeah, trying which I know I <clears> probably <throat> shouldn't have said that. You mud markers are just gonna have a field day with me on that one. But um, yeah, it's probably I'm trying to I'm back on the on the meat, but um, probably steak. But I, I keep it limited. Right on. Boxers or briefs, or or maybe you just fucking free ball it. Who who knows? I don't know. I just wear underwear. I don't know what boxes. Whatever your wife buys you. Whatever your wife buys you. Are the briefs are like tight around the leg or the boxes are loose. I don't yeah. know. Briefs. I don't yeah. Know. Okay. I'm too tired. I just throw something on <laughs> Bauer or CCM. I don't know. I'll probably go CCM. I think. Oh yeah. Okay. Sticks though. Is it like for well, either any just generic, just generic, like 
<clears throat> yeah, I'd probably go CCM. I always wanted a CCM helmet. So did you wear CCMs? Were were you a Bauer skate guy or CCM skate? Yeah, I was always I was always a Bauer skate guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right on. And then I used Bauer sticks for a little bit and Bauer gloves, but then in, in the minors we always had to wear use CCM, so I got used to them too. So right on, right on. Well, um, we're we're gonna wrap it up there. But what I will say is, um, now that you've done this, I'll officially put you on the spare list for the Mudmuckers. <laughs> We'll, we'll is get this you on what the I had to list. do this whole yes. time to get on the spare yes. I follow you guys on Instagram. I like all your pictures. I've been like fishing for a for an invite this whole time. Yeah. But, well. Well. Listen. Yeah, we've I've, we've got um we got a couple tournaments. Group. We got a couple tournaments coming up. You may or may not get a phone call uh, to come okay. to come play with the boys. And the other thing I was going to say. That. You know, I mean, if you're touring around scouting someday and you need an extra set of eyes, you know, like, fuck, I'm always available, man. Like, I'm, I'm available. Like, I, I'm sure I could pick up on a few things. Maybe, maybe I'm the guy that goes out with these guys after the game and I can write a report on yeah. that. Right. Yeah. But your report comes back. He ditched out at 11.15, went home. This kid's he doesn't see it through. Yeah. He didn't want to yeah. stay with the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, you ever see, need an extra set of ice? Uh, anytime, Coxie. Yeah, you can run a shotgun with me anytime. <laughs> but listen, thanks for doing this. There was, there was, if, if I feel like if, if young kids especially really listen to this episode, really dial into it you were a wealth of knowledge and you told a great story just on what it takes to get there. And, and not only as a hockey player, but to be as successful as a team as well. And that's kind of what I was hoping to get out of you. So I, I can't thank you enough for, for finally sitting down and doing this with me. It was awesome. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Really happy to see you, you know, being successful, doing what you're doing with this. I, I have some friends who are around and I was, kind of talking about coming on there oh you got to do it i love that you got to do it you got to do it so uh you got a loyal fan base man i'm not surprised at all so really happy for everything you're doing awesome well again again thanks for coming on and and yeah you know what uh maybe we'll do it again sometime we can dig into some other stuff as well i would love that anytime pal all right you take it easy man thank you you too buddy thank you so ladies and gentlemen, that was Will Acton. And let me tell you, as I always say, I always have so much fun with my guests. And and listen, and, and Will and I talked about it. Um, teammates, catching up with old teammates, man. It doesn't matter how often you see them. It could be once a year. It could be once every three years. It could be once every five years. You know the, that you know you guys had a lot of fun together when you were younger and when you were growing up and as teammates, when you pick up right where you left off, no matter how long it's been since you've seen each other. And every time I talk to Will, like I said, and, and listen, maybe this is soft, I don't know, but uh, again, you young hockey players out there, you're going to learn this. You know, if, if, you, if you formed a real good bond with your teammates growing up playing hockey and stuff, Every time you talk to old teammates, you're going to get a big smile on your face. You're going to have some fun. You're going to have some laughs. And I mean, listen, I've always said it doesn't matter how far you go uh, with your hockey career. It doesn't matter whether, you know, you play pro, you play NCAA. Maybe you never play more than, you know, midget A in your hometown. You can never put a price on the memories, the life experience, and the friendships that you make along the way. And and listen, that's... Uh, you know, that's something I've always cherished looking back on my career is, is the people I've met along the way and the good buddies along the way. And, and I, I certainly consider Will a good buddy. We don't, like I said, we don't get caught up as much as we'd like to. But when we do, uh, it's always a good time. We pick up right where we left off. So 
Um, in case you didn't pick up on that, something that we didn't really discuss too much, I didn't want to take the spotlight away from Will. So Will, of course, is the son, the oldest son of NHLer Keith Acton, for those of you that were trying to do the math there. So Keith, of course, uh, over a thousand games in the, in the NHL, Montreal, Minnesota, Philly, Edmonton, Washington, and the Islanders, I believe. I don't think I missed any teams there. And he also coached over 1,500 games in the NHL. So, um, so yeah. So, I, we did briefly discuss his dad there, and I'm not sure that, that people had done the math, so I wanted to point that out. So, so listen, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Young hockey players, hockey, hockey player parents out there, I hope you guys really listened to that interview as well. There's a lot of knowledge in there if you really dial in and you really focus on the interview and you really listen to what will was saying um of course like i said it you know a lot of it starts these days as being a good teammate how much does it mean to you as a hockey player not only to win but to be a good teammate and i find that um in my personal opinion that is something that is beginning to be lost in the game it's not all about individual points as a lot of people think it's a lot of how much does it mean to you how much does it mean to you to be a key cog in the in your team's performance um, and and again I, I can't put enough stress on that as a coach these days coaching junior hockey young hockey players I cannot stress that that characteristic of being a hockey player enough so once again I hope you had fun listening to that that was a lot of fun for me I know will had a lot of fun with it as well we had a lot of laughs uh, just um, off the air just going over some stuff of yesteryear. So once again, thanks to Willie Act. And that's it. That's all for the podcast this week. You know the rules. Tell your friends. Tell your fucking friends about the Cox Talks podcast. Thanks for listening.